Today's topic is about writing the career you love. This episode will be launched on Valentine's Day, so loving your career is a fitting topic. And many people have thought about writing or perhaps have started to write a book, but haven't been able to get their story started or finished. So I'm delighted about today's guest, Susie Vidori, who I met a few years ago as we were both authors based in Calgary. I admired her passion as a young adult writer, and I adored reading her Fountain Trilogy. When I met Susie, she was in a full-time executive position in the corporate world, and she squeezed in time for writing amidst her job and her family commitments. She reminded me of myself when I wrote my second novel, Finding Sophie. Susie knew she wanted to pivot to a full-time career around writing, and despite the uncertainty of making such a major shift, she made it happen almost three years ago. She's currently a book coach, editor, public speaker, and best-selling author of the Fountain series, which includes The Fountain, The West Woods, and The Wall of Wishes. This series has been nominated for two prestigious Aurora nominations for Best Young Adult Novel. Susie's very active in the writing community here in Calgary, and she has a husband and three children and is a very involved um, contributor to helping other authors get their stories out there. So Susie, without further ado, tell us what your current career as an author, speaker, and writing coach involves. Hi, Laura. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm really, really happy to talk about this. Um, so basically, I'm an author. So as you mentioned, I have three books out currently. I have the Fountain series, uh, which is the Fountain, the Westwoods, and Wall of Wishes. And that's been awesome. But to make a career as an author, many authors or writers actually do lots of different things. And so for me, right now, I'm book coaching and editing as well. And a book coach is basically like having a personal trainer for your writing life. So we work on a couple of different things. We work on project management. So making sure that you've got deadlines and accountability and keeping track and have a plan, basically. Uh, we work on the craft of writing. So instead of just getting an editor to mark up your pages, you can actually have a coach along the way that's teaching you and learning and has a plan to get you to be a stronger writer. And then the third thing is emotional support. Because Writing a book is actually really hard. It's much harder than most people think. Um, I heard a stat earlier today, and I'm going to look this up, but I heard a stat somewhere. I've always said hundreds and even thousands of hours. Somebody said 10,000 hours to me this morning. I don't know. I, I don't know what, how long it took them to write that book, but it's possible, right? And there's, there's ups and downs, and it's hard, and you get um, feedback, and you've got to really put yourself out there. And so um, that's the third thing that a book coach can really uh, offer a writer is that normalcy and that understanding that this is not an easy process and that um, person that's going to always be in your corner and cheer you on to get it done. Well, I wish I had known you when I wrote my first novel, Losing Cadence, because it took me eight years. I had so many stops and starts, albeit I had lots else going on, like my PhD, like having a couple of kids, starting my own business, just a few things. But I think with a book coach early on, before I had the kids I was working on this, I think I could have got it done way sooner. So I wish I had you then. 
It really is the Cadillac version of getting your book done. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's a wonderful experience. And I'm so happy. I had a book coach um, when I finished The Fountain. And I think you're going to ask me about how I managed to do that. I did work with a book coach. And I'm just so thrilled to be able to give back to writers and to help them get those books that are exploding in their minds, like onto the page in a way that's going to hook their readers from page one all the way through to the end. Like, just get it done the way that it is in your mind, right? Absolutely. And I had a great editor that got involved after I wrote the first book, and that really helped keep me on track. And I understand you're an editor as well, Susie. So what's the difference between an editor and a book coach for people that may not know? Yeah, so um, an editor is somebody who looks at your pages, like you said, after the work is done. Now, me as an editor, I go a lot more in depth than a lot of editors do. I can't help myself. You get a ton of feedback and you do get a one-on-one -on -one call to discuss it. But in a book coaching situation, you're working with the writer as they're going along. So when you get to the end, you don't have as many issues or problems or changes to make. Um, so it's a little bit of a different process. One is, is working weekly together and developing that relationship. Um, and one and the other, the editing, which I do still do, is taking a manuscript and providing feedback. And then the author or the writer goes back and, and um, works on that by themselves. I like the former approach best, <laughs> but that is awesome. So tell us how you made the pivot from your successful full-time business career into this leap of faith to do something totally different. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the things that I'm really, really proud of. But when The Fountain came out, I mean, I, I you said in your introduction that I had always known I wanted to pivot. And I mean, I did when we met. Um, I knew that I was trying to get there. But I just always knew that I would write a book. And I did. I, did, I was never thought that it could be a career. You know, growing up, I wrote lots of half books, which means I wrote half a book. And then I stopped writing that book, like as a teenager, lots of half books. Um, and so I didn't sit down and write my first full length novel and complete it until I was on maternity leave with my third child. And she's nine, almost 10 now. Um, so I sat down and I wrote what later became The Fountain. It took me two and a half years to write it and two more years to find a publisher. Um, and I did work with a book coach at the end and that's how I finally got that uh, The Fountain finished. Um, but I just thought that I would publish a book and I would go back to my job as a vice president operations at a product company. I was traveling in my last position that I was in, I was traveling to China every quarter and managing factories all over the world and, you know, like doing some stuff. And I also was an author and I thought that that was great. And then after the Westwoods came out, um, I started being asked to speak and teach and tour and go to schools and talk at conferences and teach writing. And I loved it. And, uh, and so there was a time and you said it's been almost three years it'll be three years in April there was a time when we have a really busy family schedule with three kids in high level sports and um, you know both my husband and I traveled for work at the time and so we would have to compare schedules and see like where do we need the grandparents to help where do we need other people to drive you know back before the pandemic when we could support each other and raise each other's you know village of kids um, yeah, and so the Westwoods came out and I was being asked to do this in April of three, in April, three years ago, we compared schedules and I was like, okay, here's the thing. I actually need to take seven vacation days off to go and speak and teach and do this tour and then be, you know, 
speak at Comic-Con and do all these things that I was so excited to be invited to do. And I was like, oh, wow. And my husband's like, what are you doing? Like you're taking our, your vacation days and you're going to work as an author, like something's got to give. Um, and so that's about the time that you and I met and we started talking about this pivot and how I was going to do it. Because at one point I had this crazy idea that I would just take on so much work in the evenings and weekends that I could actually replace my daytime salary and then there'd be no risk, right? Like that makes sense in your head, <laughs> but it doesn't actually make sense because you can't work 24 seven. And of course I couldn't, like something had to give. My, my kids are like, mom, we never see you. You're working all day and all night and all weekend. I'm like, but I'm doing this because, and it didn't make sense. So I did, um, I was able to take on a couple of small contracts um, it just all kind of came together quickly at the same time that I was making that decision. I did take on a, a couple of smaller business contracts that were related to my day job and went part-time. And then I was able to build up the other. And then I was able to let all of that go. And now I do all things writing full-time. Here you are. It's just amazing where you've come since I met you a few years ago. And I'm wondering, since we're all living through this prolonged uh, COVID pandemic, how has that impacted your current career, either positively or negatively? Well, I, you know, the jury's still out whether it will end up being positive or negative. I'm not really sure. It has been a really strange year. Um, I mean, I've worked from home now for three years and I love working from home and all the balance that it provides, except now there's five of us working from home in my house. <laughs> I liked it much better when they were going somewhere else to work um, or to school. But um, yeah, so really I was making a lot of authors, as I mentioned earlier, um, authors and writers make a living in lots of different ways. And one of the things that I was doing because of my experience as an executive was public speaking. And so I was teaching and speaking and touring and that was a big part of my income was actually being out at events and making appearances and talking about writing and teaching writing and all of that disappeared like overnight. And I just watched the dominoes fall, right? Like all of my hard earned bookings for the next six months, um, just canceled, 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 canceled. And some of them did go online, um, but they, instead of a full day speaking at a school, it might be one hour and they were going to pay less and it was, you know, like difficult and you don't get the same interaction and maybe the kids don't show up or like, it's, it's really hard to do that online, to move it online. So some of it was really good, um, but I just knew that I was going to have to, I could see that it wasn't going to happen. Um, that it wasn't coming back anytime soon. And so I, I started doing a lot more. I had already been doing editing and book coaching, um, but I just started saying yes. So I had a big backlog of writers waiting um, to get their edits done. And I just let them know, like, I'm open for business and I was booked. Um, and then I really leaned into the book coaching and took on a full roster of book coaching clients uh, in the fall of 2020. And yeah, that's, that's where it went. So um, and then the other thing that I'm doing right now is I've actually put together, because um, my book coaching practice is full, um, or almost full, I can, you know, always squeeze a few people in that makes sense, but um, I'm looking for ways to actually serve more people, because as I meet with writers, a lot of them, you know, and work with manuscripts, a lot of them have similar issues, and I'm just so excited to share with them what I've learned in my decade of uh, being in the writing industry, and I hear time and time again, oh my gosh, I wish I'd known that, or I wish I'd known that before I started. And so I'm actually putting together an online course 
um, for fiction writers, which shares all of the boot camp. It's called Wicked Good Fiction Boot Camp, and it shares all of those lessons that I've learned over the years that I'm teaching my book coaching clients over and over again. So making it accessible to more people. So I've completely pivoted again this year and changed what I'm doing. Um, is it positive or negative? I mean, it's been fun. It's, it's a little bit scary because it's new again, but hey, I'm still here and I'm still doing it and people are responding really well and I'm busy. So I'm not complaining and I don't think, I, I don't know, I think when the pandemic's over, it's going to be interesting because I don't think I'll go back to doing as much of the in-person events and things that I was doing before. Maybe more of a mix, right? Getting out of the house more, but maybe, you know, capitalizing on all the online work because I'm guessing you're helping writers from all different locations outside of the city as, as well, well Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My, and my book coaching clients are all across North America as well. So, and that's the thing with Beautiful. this online world. Now, is it mostly fiction because that's what you've written or do you also support nonfiction writers? Yeah. So I actually support both in my book coaching practice. So I am a, I, I write young adult fiction um, and specifically fantasy but I support a bunch of different genres in fiction. And I also work with nonfiction writers. And that's actually a really interesting question because, um, because of my business background and because I had so much business writing, it just was a natural fit. And they find that there's a lot of people out there that, that have a book in them that want to write a book to support a nonfiction book to support their career. Um, and just have, you know, they might be strong writers and they have a strong grasp of grammar and spelling, but they just have no idea how to put a book together. Um, so that's something that I worked on really early on to make sure that I knew, and I'm actually an accredited um, book coach with uh, Author Accelerator out of the States, um, because I wanted to make sure that I had all of the best practices and the current best practices to share with them, as well as all the learnings. Um, and yeah, I, I, right now my book coaching practice is 50-50. Um, so 50%, like half of my writers are fiction and half of them are nonfiction. The, the online course that I'm building right now specifically is for fiction authors, um, because that's where my passion really lies. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but I really, really love helping people further their career and figuring out how to get that book that's going to convey all of their knowledge, just like what I'm doing, right? Convey, how do you convey all of your knowledge? To your clients or to someone else and how do you spread that out there so yeah I do work with a lot of nonfiction clients as well and it's, it's a huge part of my practice and I love it awesome so the question you alluded to earlier I am going to ask about how you made the time to write a book while you had a job and three kids and a husband and all these commitments kids in sports etc because people often ask me that and I'd love to hear uh, what you have to say yeah, so it's changed over the years, but when I was writing The Fountain, I was on maternity leave. Um, and people say, like, how, how does that work? Like, oh, yeah, you didn't have enough to do. I actually took on different projects for each of my maternity leaves, but that's a different, um, a different topic altogether. And I didn't take um, this, my third maternity leave was the only time that I took the full um, allotted amount that we have in Canada. I took shorter maternity leaves uh, with my first two children. But I just was really lucky that my children all napped. And so I just was really disciplined and I wrote during their naps. 
Um, and then when they got a little bit older and they were at preschool, I wrote in those two precious hours that they were at preschool. Um, and I have an incredibly supportive husband who really believed in my dream of making this novel happen. And um, he took them to the zoo or to the, <laughs> to the science center on Saturday mornings. I would get up really early and go to Starbucks and write all day. And then I'd get hungry and I'd move over to the pub next door and I'd have lunch and <laughs> keep writing. <laughs> so Saturdays. Um, and so if you live in my neighborhood, you've seen me there. You've also seen me outside the preschool writing. You've seen me in the hallway of the gymnastics club writing. You've seen me everywhere writing. And, and so it was kind of fun because um, we have a really strong community here as well. And people would be like, oh my gosh, are you writing your book right now? Like people knew what I was doing. And so when the book came out, I already had this built-in interest and support. I mean, it's a book for young adults. So they, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily a book that they were gonna read, although I do have lots of adult readers too. That wasn't the point. The point was just, I felt very supported um, because I was out there doing it in the community. So, and if I, I, I couldn't write at home, I do now because it's my job, but, but then it felt too indulgent. It was like, well, there's laundry and there's dishes to do and I should really be making supper or something else. Um, and so I didn't find that I could write at home. I had to like, okay, here's my time and book it and off I go. And that worked for me. Beautiful. So what advice do you have for other busy people to fit writing into their busy lives? You know, I would just say a couple of things. I, I got, I could talk all day about this one. <laughs> That's what a book coach could do, right? But um, really, I think the very first thing is notice, you know, really pay attention to why you're writing a book and what your goals for it are. Um, because, you know, everybody a lot of people that I talk to, I mean, as soon as you say that you're a writer or a book coach, people are whispering in your ear like, oh, I want to write a book or I am writing a book or I'm trying to write a book. I mean, it's, it's happening out there way more than you think it's happening. Um, and people just don't always talk about it because they're shy. Um, but I think paying attention to why and what your goals are, why do you want to write this book and why this particular book at this moment in your life because it does take a huge commitment. And if you're not really clear on why you're doing it, I say, if you don't love it, <laughs> don't do it because um, it is a lot of work. But if you really, really wanna get it out there and you can articulate that, um, then just schedule the time and make it happen. Find out, um, pay attention to, to your own habits. Some people like to write every day. Some people uh, write in spurts, I write in spurts. Uh, there's weeks when I won't write and then there's weeks when I'm writing like 24 seven and that works for me, but pay attention to your own rhythms. And especially if you're a busy person, be kind to yourself. Um, you know, they, there's all these programs out there that are like, write a book in 30 days or write a book in 90 days. And then people put all this pressure on themselves to get it done. But really, if you take the time and write at your own pace and keep going, as long as you're making progress, you'll get there and your book will be way better than if you tried to cram it all in and you won't burn yourself out. Excellent points. Now, do being part of a writing community or writing communities, can't even speak, are writing communities a good way to stay motivated and engaged and, and to learn? So for those people that maybe aren't able to get a writing coach or aren't ready for one, do you recommend certain writing communities? Absolutely. There, and you know, when I wrote The Fountain, I did it largely on my own until I worked with a coach later. Um, but I was really worried about reaching out to the writing community because you look online and you find 
um, all these things that you have to be a published writer. And I thought that they would, you know, be looking down on me because I hadn't done this before. And they, I found the exact opposite. Um, my writing community, I got involved, um, as you mentioned in the intro, I got involved with When Words Collide, which is a local, um, local Alberta conference that happens every August. And the people there were just so welcoming. I met uh, my very first publisher there. I met my publicist there. And later on, um, a relationship that I uh, had met my agent. And when I finally had a project that I could pitch her years later, um, she signed me as well. But that, that's all through that community that I built. And just know that writers are so welcoming and you can't do it alone because you need people to read your work. Um, it's not something that you can see in your own work. And people want you to love it right away, but if nobody's read it, it's really tricky to get it right. Um, so it's, it's something that, yes, absolutely reach out to your writing communities. And right now during the pandemic, guys, everything is online. So I have joined way more writing communities than I could ever attend, <laughs> but um, everything is online. I try to stay up on, I think I'm a member of about 30 writing communities in North America. <laughs> so because I like to do the different genres and learn what's current and stay up on that for my editing and book coaching. Um, there's also a lot of conferences right now that are free and online. So if normally you'd have to travel and pay to like big bucks to be at a lot of conferences and meet people. And right now tap into them, just Google your genre or what type of book you're looking for and write it writers conferences and see if there's some free programming that's out there. Cause it's a really unique opportunity to get involved. Wonderful. So thinking beyond of, of writing, beyond to other careers, what advice do you have for people who are working in a job that they don't like and they're thinking about making a pivot to something they're passionate about, but maybe they're very scared or fearful of whether it's the right thing to do? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, sometimes you just know in your gut that you're going to do it. You just aren't sure how. And that's kind of how I felt about this one, but I've certainly, um, I'm used to change in business as well because I, I worked with so many growing businesses in my career. I think if you're really passionate about something and if you wanna turn your hobby or something that you do in your spare time into something that makes you money, test the waters. Um, put out a small offering and find out if you can make a little bit of money doing what it is that you love. If you're an artist, start trying to sell some of your work. If you're a writer, um, sell a short story or um, write some articles. So just sort of test the waters and see if there's something there. And then I would say, create the job that you want and play to your own strengths. You know, don't look to everybody else, especially if you're going after a creative pursuit. Um, there may be people that you want to emulate and people that you admire, that's great. Um, and take a look at what they're doing, but recognize what your strengths are. Um, and what people come to you for. So if it's a hobby, especially, and you wanna become an expert there, what are people asking you about? And, and, and what, you know, what is it that people come to you for? And can you start charging for that? Um, and test the waters before you quit cold turkey. Because <laughs> otherwise you're, you're gonna be really stressed. And stop comparing yourself to others because we're all wired differently with different strengths and talents and different gaps and, areas that are not natural and we need to play to that. And I think you've done a really good job of playing to that, Susie. Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, the, if the goal is to build a job that you love or to build a career that you want to wake up and do every, every morning, 
um, then, you know, pigeonholing yourself to try to emulate somebody else is just going to put you back to where you felt in your nine to five, right? Exactly. So speaking of how you feel, we use this term called work-life wellness. So the the other term would be work-life balance, but that implies a perfect balance, which is pretty difficult for any of us to achieve. And it sets us up for failure. It, it does set up, up for failure. But how does work-life wellness look for you personally, Susie? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think this year, more than any, it's, it's one that's on a lot of people's minds. And the topic today on Valentine's Day is about writing the job that you love. And so when you create something that you love or you turn a hobby or a creative love into your job, I could literally work 24 seven and I'd be okay with that maybe. <laughs> but my family, I miss my family. I think they'd, they'd not be very happy with me. Um, So work-life wellness for me really is about trying to free up more time to spend that with my family, to fuel myself so that when I am doing my job, even though I love it, um, it's hard to continually give and to continually write and to continually be creative and support my clients and all of those things if I'm not looking after myself as well. Um, So just really paying attention to the energy Um, that you're giving out and making sure that you're spending time for yourself to replenish and spending time with your family to replenish as well. That's what, you know, that's how I gauge my own work-life wellness. And what has been the greatest challenge that you've faced with your own work-life wellness? I mean, maybe it was in the past, maybe it has something to do with the pandemic, but what's been the greatest challenge and how have you dealt with that challenge, Susie? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I I would give up. I think at one point I I made a conscious choice to give up exercise because I didn't have time. And that's not a good healthy thing. And I know that it's it's one thing that I uh, that I, you know, comes naturally and normally in our busy life. It's there. And then one day it wasn't because I was trying to work around the clock to, to do this pivot. Um, so that was a hard thing. So, so for me, the biggest challenge is really fitting that in. And especially during the pandemic, my sports are, um, I mean, swimming is my main, my main sport. So there was a period of time in the fall when the pools opened again and very safe, you know, went with everything on, but yeah, I would go at seven o'clock in the morning just to get that in and out of the way so that I could, uh, could do it. And even when I was working as an executive, I would run at lunch or if there was a gym nearby, I would go to the gym. Um, just to try to get that in during my workday, because I know I'm not going to want to do it at the end of the day. I'm going to want to hang out and spend time with my family and relax. Um, So yeah, so for me, the biggest challenge in that balance is making sure that I'm getting exercise in during my day, because I could literally sit and write for days and not get up. And that's a big joke in, in my family, because on, I mentioned I write in spurts and there's, there's weeks when I'm writing where my kids think it's this huge joke, you know, they come home at the end of the day and they look at my watch and they can tell how many steps I took. And sometimes it's not even, you know, it's three figures. Uh, Cause I got <laughs> up for lunch, which is steps to the kitchen. <laughs> and I got up for water and that was it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I putting movement into my day is really important. Um, and that's been my biggest challenge. There you go. 
And we talk about the importance of fresh air even. So I think getting outside is so important. But in our climate, there's certain weeks like this week in particular, Susie, it's been so chilly. Uh, so it's only the bravest of souls that get their butt outside <laughs> to watch. I don't think I've been but, outside today. <laughs> but I think just that... My husband will make sure he fresh walks me. Air. <laughs> the fresh air um, is such a... Yeah, in the summertime, I actually work outside a lot. Um, I've got a front porch and a back deck that are both set up with working spaces. Um, so, but again, I'll park my butt there and literally not get up when I'm writing. But yeah, I work outside a lot in the summer, which I love. That is awesome. So if you could gain an extra eight hours or so every day because you didn't need to sleep, what is it that you would do with that time? Oh, that's a really good question. I might sleep anyway, because I actually like to sleep. <laughs> um, I think that a lot of, you know, even if I didn't need to sleep, I might still sleep. I, I find I, I resolve a lot of things in my, in my dreams. Um, but yeah, I think I would, I would travel more. If I didn't need to sleep, I would probably spend that eight or nine hours that I normally sleep moving around the world. Because I don't like the travel part. It takes too much time. But yeah, and then because uh, I can work anywhere, um, I take my family, but I can work anywhere. I probably travel at night, and I mean, we did this. I don't know if you've ever backpacked, but my husband and I, when we were first out of university, we backpacked a lot, and we would literally book uh, an overnight bus ride just so that we'd save and we wouldn't have to pay for the hotel. <laughs> I think I'd travel at night, and then I would like be somewhere fresh in the morning and get to explore and probably that's so funny my girlfriend and I went to Europe when we were 19 and we cheaped out so we took an overnight train and landed in Florence Italy at three in the morning <laughs> you know, you're like oh yeah that two was 19 year old what, right? girls yeah yeah it was funny it's like oh that was maybe a little dangerous but <laughs> um <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so I always think I ask that question to all my guests, but I was just thinking about myself, I would write books if I had that extra time, because that's not something I'm having much time for right now. But I have other books inside me. So they're kind of waiting there. I can't <laughs> wait to hear all to about them, Laura. Um, yeah, and, yeah I think and I have, yeah, a couple of like fiction and nonfiction. And I just think, oh, you know, I need to open space for that in the next you know, a couple of years. Um, and I will. Definitely. But that's something that happens when you shift to, you know, make that career that you love is those things that you were trying to fit in on the outside are now the things, I mean, I get paid to read people's books, right? So I don't actually read that much anymore because I'm reading all the time. <laughs> My husband, you know, at the end of the day, he's like, I'm just going to read for a while. I'm like, I am not going to read. <laughs> Um, because you, you get to do that during your day, uh, during your work day, and I get to write during my work day. And so, yeah, so it kind of shifts a little bit there because it doesn't become a hobby anymore. And so, yeah, you got to get new. So my <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my final question for you is if you could have one wish for a better world when it comes to work and life and kind of what's happening with our work and our lives in the world today, what would it be? You know, I think what's really been interesting about the pandemic is that people's priorities are shifting. And I know that, um, you know, mine shifted several years ago, but I really love the direction that it's taking where 
people's lives and their wellness is really important. Like stay home when you're sick. And I mean, I worked, I've worked on wall street. I've worked on in, you know, some corporate in Toronto. I've worked in lots of different places where, you know, you kind of had to just soldier through and um, there was no space for taking that time or recognizing that you had something going on with your family or whatever else, especially as a working mom, um, I had to hide that piece of me um, because, you know, if my kids were sick, I couldn't just, I mean, they get sick, right? Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't never me that would take the day off. It was my husband or even my husband's family um, that would take the day off because for me, it was like, you know, then you'd be seen as that mom. I think that, um, that, you know, isn't putting her career first. Um, I think that it's been really interesting this year to see how that's shifting and how workplaces are respecting that people have a lot going on. Um, and I, it's been a long time coming. And I think that it's shifting to be more personal that way where it's okay to share that you're not having a great day or it's okay to share that something's happening with your family and, and, and that we can work around that. Um, and I, I'm really excited to see because I think that that's going to persist. Um, and this, this um, more caring or more involved workplace, it almost feels like it might have, you know, 80, 90 years ago when you knew your coworkers because people have to share this right now and you're having different conversations about um, the choices that you're making around your health. And, and I think it's going to be positive. Yeah, and I, I say that there's no better time than now to be in the field of psychology and, yeah. and uh, organizational psychology in particular, because the world of work is greatly changing and advancing and shifting. There's this great shift when it comes to organizations and the psychology within organizations, which is about all about the people. And I think the human-centered organization is where it's at. So I'm really excited about my new role with humans, which is combining human and performance into one word. And now I'm part of a team nationally, the biggest team of organizational psychologists in the country. So it's really exciting to be able to contribute more broadly. Um, And then still, um, my other firm is helping lots of people with careers and career pivoting. And a lot of people are finding now is the time to do that soul searching and figure out what's next. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated to see where this goes. Um, As you know, as an executive, I manage teams of hundreds in some companies and and whatnot. And I've always just really been keyed into trying to play to the employee strengths and figure out how to make their lives better better by work and how to balance that. And so, yeah, everything that you're saying sounds really exciting. I think that um, it's, it's probably what drew me to being a book coach as well, because part of that is figuring out that space is, yes, we're writing a book, but we're also pursuing a dream. And how do you, how do you put all that together in a way? Um, and some of my clients, one of my clients shared with me recently that she had a life coach, but that I was providing that. And I was like, no, no, keep your life coach. <laughs> You know, because we're working on all these things and she's she's built her um, author persona and she's doing all these things and it's helping her business because now she's doing all these other things that I'm coaching her on as well. So it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy that part. 
Beautiful. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I love how we covered some ground when it comes to writing the career you love. So each of us has has a career and a path, and it's up to us to write how that journey and that path turns out. And I think, Susie, you're a great example of someone who has done that and done that just beautifully, made that transition and taken that leap of faith. And also, I think this episode is very useful for those who are uh, writing a book, wanting to write a book, have written a book and done nothing with it. I mean, there's a lot out there in terms of different people wanting to write. And I just hope this is inspirational that if people like Susie and I can carve out books amidst our busy lives, then you can too. Absolutely. Do it. If you have a book in you and you want to get it out, don't be scared. Like look that fear in the eyes figure out how to get it done because the world needs all of our voices and the world needs your story. And if it's, you know, if it's burning a hole in your brain because you know that it's, it's going to work out there, then, then find a way to do it. Um, and you never know where it's going to lead. And you've inspired me sooner than later not to put off my next book. So thank you. I really needed that because there's never going to be an ideal time, not anytime soon. <laughs> so, and no, there wasn't there before. <laughs> right. Yeah, unless uh, unless you get that that sleepless thing where we don't have to sleep anymore, then that would be well. Great. We're still trying to work that out. Um, we're depending on the I'm medical field sleep. for I'm that. <laughs> Anyways, thank you. It was a great pleasure having you on today, Susie, and stay well. Thank you, and thank you for all the work that you do to make people really aware and to help them balance everything in their lives. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this content useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. In the podcast summary, you'll find links to my psychology practices, Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology for more detailed information, articles, and tips. I hope you have a wonderful, healthy day, and thank you for joining us.